Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is episode 34. It wasn't too long ago that you could say the Sarasota food scene was a bit lacking. Sure, there were plenty of restaurants, but variety was the problem, but not anymore. Today, you can choose from a wide variety of upscale, casual, funky, and fun. But just when you thought every restaurant niche was filled, one local entrepreneur has found something new that no one is doing in fun, casual seafood. Hi, I'm Bob Williams. I really hope you and I have one thing in common, And that is we like to hear each other's stories and believe that in doing so, we understand our town and neighbors just a little bit better. In fact, that's why I started the Sarasota Stories podcast. It is to bring you, dear listener, the most fascinating people living in the greater Sarasota area. Each episode, I do my best to find business leaders, civic leaders, artists, authors, entrepreneurs, physicians, philanthropists, and others who are doing great work and making a positive impact in our town. My guest today is Mike Martin, creator and owner of the one-year-old Reef Cakes Seafood Restaurant. Reef Cakes is located just behind Sarasota Memorial in the charming Southside Village area. As you'll hear, Mike shares where the original idea for Reef Cakes came from, how it's different from any other seafood restaurant Mike has seen, how COVID both helped and hurt his plans to open a restaurant, the main hurdles he had to overcome to launch Reef Cakes, where he hopes to take his Reef Cakes concept and much, much more. Thank you, dear listener, for stopping by today. As always, it is my hope that you will listen, that you will learn, but most importantly, that you will connect. Mike Martin, owner of Reef Cakes, welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you, Bob. Pleasure to be with you. Well, you know, I'm always looking for new restaurants and new venues, not only to feature on my podcast, but to try myself. And so I went on your website and you have some very cool, not only menu items, but I like the decor that I see there. So tell me where the idea for Reef Cakes come from. So, you know, I've I've always been interested in food since I was a young boy. Um, I was the, you know, two-year-old sitting on top of the counter stirring the red sauce for Sunday Italian dinner. Um, I've always had an interest since I was a kid. And I've noticed a lot of trends and a particular trend with the food industry is that there's a big 
push towards customization and personal preference as far as dietary restrictions, as far as being able to customize your meal. And I realized there's really nothing like that in the seafood realm. You can make your own pizza. You can create your own burger, burritos, tacos. There's a lot of different avenues where people could put their own touch on food. But seafood seemed to be their fried grouper nuggets at the tiki bar or something that's a little bit more white tablecloth. So I figured let's put a concept together that we can offer very high quality food, but in a more casual, personalized way. I find that's interesting because the restaurant industry is just so hyper competitive. And if you can just find one little twist or one little pivot that you can make, uh, you know, you can really hit on something new. So I think that's an interesting concept. Exactly. Uh, We're not trying to reinvent the wheel, just, you know, taking a different spin on it. What to, uh, give us your background. As a matter of fact, tell us one thing that very few people know about you. <laughs> um, well, some people know that I'm from up north, uh, originally from Connecticut, lived in Maine for um, about half a decade. And I, one of my favorite things to do is honestly skiing. So I may be contrary to a sun-loving Floridian here now, but um, I, I love to go skiing. It's my favorite thing. And whenever I get a chance, I don't care if it's the middle of winter, I'll go, you know, freeze my butt off and go skiing. <laughs> Actually, there are a couple of skiing stores down here. I surprised me, but there, I guess people buy their equipment. I'm not a skier. So they buy their equipment. And they head, head to the uh, slopes uh, across the country. Yeah. What about your business background? I mean, I mean, um, is this your first venture or have you spent quite a while in the food industry? So I've been in the food and beverage industry since I was about 21. Uh, I've been in primarily the beverage aspect of things. I was I've worked for many breweries, uh, but I was in the beer industry prior to oh, cool. uh, the leap and opening up a restaurant. That's very cool. I am a craft brew guy through and through, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be your beer nerd. <laughs> yeah, and I I saw some interesting offerings that you had on your menu, which we're going to get into there in a little bit. So with, from the beer, and I. Actually, I read down through all the recipes there, which look great. But then I got to the beer. And I said, oh, I definitely got to come by. So anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, tell us about Reef Cakes. How long have you actually been open? So we um, we opened in early 2021. Um, originally, uh, the place before closed due to COVID in 2020. Uh, I right. took over um, uh, in 2020. I changed the decor a little bit. It took a little time because of COVID to open. It took a little longer than I thought, for example, to get you know, furniture and equipment and some things like that, which we're still experiencing today as far as delays and manufacturing. Um, but so officially open on March 12th, 2021. So really in some regards, COVID helped you or hurt you? Because you took took your space from uh, somebody who went under. Yes, correct. So I like to say, fortunately, unfortunately, it was unfortunate that the fellow before me um, had to close due to COVID. But at the same time, fortunate for me in the sense of it was the right move. There was only a handful of years left on the lease, so I wasn't tied to a big, long commitment. Uh, it really gave me the, the comfort to take the jump, if you will, to say, hey, let's, let's take a stab at this and let's see if this concept works, see if the community, see if Sarasota was going to respond to what our offerings are. Seems to me like of all industries that were hit the hardest – it may have been the restaurant industry because obviously you're in close quarters and people were afraid to go out and there were re- governmental restrictions put on and whatnot. Um, so, I mean, so, so are you concerned that stuff may come back? You know, 
not so much, thankfully, being in Florida as opposed to you know New York or some other places with tighter restrictions. Florida has been wonderful to do business with. They've been clear, fairly clear about um, what our stance is and how our approach is going to be moving forward. Um, so I don't necessarily think it'll come back. I just think people's uh, mentality has changed a little bit, where more people are maybe used to takeout or something a little bit quicker. Right. Or, um, definitely, I think people have become accustomed to the outdoor dining aspect. And being in Florida, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer with how much sunshine, sunshine we have here. So I, I think that th- that's going to be a much bigger push, push for people to have outdoor dining space. Um, thankfully, the city of Sarasota has been really great as far as offering us an opportunity to utilize for us. We have one parking space outside, which has given us additional seating. So um, that, that's been very, very helpful. I will say uh, I have been very blessed and pleased and whatnot to live in Florida when all this went on, because I think of all the states, we've probably been the most open and you can argue whether that was right or wrong or whatnot. But I also think that it's it was also the impetus for so many people are moving down here now. Uh, they want to come. They want to get on with life. They want to go to great restaurants. <laughs> and um, I, I, I to hear an entrepreneur like you talk about that, I think it's just very reassuring that it seems like we're on the upswing. I believe so. I, and, and just when I get the opportunity to pop out of the kitchen and interact with the guests and talk with them, and I, I speak to a lot of folks that are, you're correct, moving down here and or on vacation while simultaneously looking at real estate. So I, I think that there's been a big push to have a lot of folks move down here. And they, I think that maybe they visited during COVID and they're hooked. Um, yeah. But what I'm definitely seeing an increase in out-of-staters for sure. Well, let's let's talk about some more of the hurdles that you had to overcome in order to get it open. We, you know, COVID is broad stripes, and it it kind of talk it, it it actually is kind of like an umbrella for a lot of other hurdles that you probably had to overcome. You got staffing, you got licensing and permitting. Uh, we still even now, I mean, we've got supply chain issues and whatnot, but. What, what's happened on the staffing end for you? Because I've talked to a couple of other restaurants and they're, you know, they're, they're hurting. Yeah. Uh, it, it is no, no joke, no surprise. And what's interesting to me is it seems to be affecting all areas. Um, for me, I, I could probably talk for 30 minutes just on certain experiences that I've had, right. but I'll start with a small example and work more towards how it's affected me. But for example, uh, we're used to getting maybe some certain deliveries in the mornings. Uh, tr- trucks now sometimes arrive in the afternoons, which ha- affects my schedule in the sense of timing, in the sense of preparation for food, beverages, etc. And the reason being is because there's not enough workers in these warehouses to load trucks, so the trucks are getting out later, which are you know now servicing restaurants and other industry under other uh, businesses later, and that's just a small example of how things can change when the supply chain gets disrupted like that. But for me personally, um, the, the labor aspect has been a huge problem. Um, I was actually on NBC, uh, nationwide news a few oh, months wow. ago. Um, and I'm, was, I'm honored to have you on this teeny little podcast <laughs> here. No, it was, it was, it was a great opportunity. I was, um, speaking with somebody who is interning there over the summer last year and she kept in touch and we, continue to go over jobs reports and um, we ended up striking up a friendship and uh, I got the opportunity to talk about the struggles that we're having and it's not just you know us for certain positions it's not just the kitchen it's the front of house it's different areas it's very tough and 
I have a particular frustration with some of these job websites, like uh, not to name names, but uh, right. um, there's you know certain platforms online that for me are frustrating because you put a job opportunity out there for hiring. People click, they say they want to come in for an interview and then they don't show up, but right. I'm at the end of the day paying extra to find employees because people are not click, they're clicking, but not showing up. So yeah. there's, there's issues I think in that respect too. Man, that's incredible. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what are, what is, how have you had to pivot? Because, you know, you're small, you could be more nimble, but you still have to make, you know, tough decisions and in the staffing room. So have you cut back hours? Have you raised wages? I mean, what, you know, every entrepreneur has to address those issues. Yes. So, um, to, yes, we have increased uh, wages. Uh, we've had to just to stay competitive. Um, sure. There are people that come in and say, hey, I have five job interviews today and I'm going to go with whoever pays me the most. It's tough to hear, but that's the situation out there right now. Um, so we, yes, we had to do that. It didn't necessarily hurt us in the sense of cutting back, but what it did do is it allowed us not to open an extra day. So the idea was during season, we're going to open six days a week. But because of labor, we never could get to that point. And so unfortunately, mm. we open five days, which is still our, our schedule. Right. What about supply chain issues? Um, pro- just everything's more expensive. Uh, unfortunately, uh, f- fortunately, fortunately, again, um, we are going to be rolling out a new menu uh, with a lot of great different suggestions and items and things like that, that, we're, you know, we're still going to have our signature create your own aspect. But what right. we're doing is we're going to together a lot more suggested items and a lot more pre-composed options for guests, which I think that they'll really enjoy because we've come up with some fun, tasty stuff. Um, but at the same time, we're going to also have to take a price increase because every time I place an order, something's going up. Sure. And what's really surprising too is it's not just one vendor. It's every vendor. And we get a bunch of deliveries every day because we want freshness. Uh, I'm not ordering fish on Monday to serve on Friday. We're right. ordering fish for that day. We're ordering produce for that day. And we're getting dinged with fuel surcharges on, on these invoices. It's anywhere from right. a dollar. Four dollars uh, per delivery, which over the course of a week and many many deliveries, it adds up. I I feel for you. I, I went back <laughs> through that. I, I, I'm I'm old enough that I went through a uh, inflationary period back in the 70s and, and 80s and whatnot, and uh, in this very similar situation where the type of workers that we had, which were factory workers, I mean, you know, they go down the street for an extra fifty buck, excuse me, fifty cents an hour more. It was very. It was difficult to blame them because you know they were being squeezed as well. So it's it's a frustrating thing. On your on the supply chain stuff, do you? I mean, what percent of of your sourcing is local, and what percent you know has to come from overseas, or do, do you look at it like that? Not in that grand of a scheme, um, but I, I do look at local. Um, we do we do source as much as we can from local. Uh, one of our biggest produce um, vendors is Oaks Farms, and uh, they have a bunch of. Um, supermarkets down in Naples. Uh, they source wonderful organic, you know, as much local stuff as they can. For our seafood, we work locally with folks in St. Pete, Tampa, uh, Orlando. Um, so we, we work as local as we can with a lot of the freshness and stuff. I would say the stuff that has been affected is more of the dry goods that come uh, either from ma- big manufacturing warehouses and or overseas. And whether it's been a lack of being able to get them or a big price increase, it's been either one of those two things. Now, when you, what do you mean by dry goods? 
Um, like uh, like paper towels, things like that. Uh, okay. Chopsticks. Um, you know, to go silverware. Pla- One thing actually that's really huge is plastic containers. Um, some of these plastic containers and things like we use for to go materials. That that's been a, a big hike. Wow. Well, and it, it would stand. It would stand to measure. I mean, if you have to ship this further, that that would really be increased in the, in the cost of the delivery and whatnot. So mm-hmm. it was seeing me like, but I mean, if it's produced overseas, I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult for manufacturers to flip their production over in such a short period of time to make it here. But I, even if they can't, I really don't know. I was into, I mean, just as a point of reference, it's interesting to see that I do remember some craft beer companies switch their beer making facilities over to hand sanitizer. So, I, <laughs> yeah. so maybe they could do that here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I um, actually, one of my previous uh, jobs, my most recent before I was opening the restaurant, they gave us hand sanitizer uh, with the with the beer logo right on it. <laughs> <laughs> do not drink, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any sense? I mean, was it difficult? Did it take longer to open up a restaurant here in the Sarasota area as compared to back up in Connecticut, or do you have a point of reference on that? You know, I don't. I've been down here for uh, since 2014, um, yeah. full time. Uh, my my family. I've had local family that lives here, and they've been down here since the 90s. So I, I've been coming down here since I was a kid, and I don't go up north very often unless I'm escaping to go skiing, like we were talking about earlier, um, which has been not very often, unfortunately. Uh, but I I think that Sarasota has made it very accommodating. Like I mentioned, they did a, a really good thing I think for the restaurants in here, which was the outdoor dining space, just because right. we have guests that are still concerned. And there are still people that are coming from out of state that are have a different risk tolerance and they, you know, are a little bit more adverse and they'd like to sit either close to the windows or outside. And so um for me, I had no issues with timing as far as permits uh, with, you know, respect to just the normal government timelines. Um, I, I feel like the, everything was, was fairly timely. It was more of a staffing issue that prohibited us from opening on time. So, so from the time you applied to the time you got the permitting, how long does that take? Well, you know, for a seasoned restaurateur, probably they know the routine a little bit better than my first time go at it. So whereas it took me a handful of months, maybe six months or so, um, I, I think it would take maybe a more seasoned restaurateur uh, a couple months, perhaps. Oh, OK. That that quick. Where did the original where did the original idea come from for Reef Cakes? So the original idea came from me being a huge seafood fan. Uh, I was, even before I opened the restaurant, I was probably eating seafood four times a week. Uh, you're a local, so I'm sure you're familiar with Walt's Seafood Market. Yeah, been sure. For years. I was going there and picking up fillets and different types of fish and, you know, seafood as far as, you know, shrimp and whatnot as well. And I was always taking it home and cooking it. And my wife and I were living in an apartment downtown, and you don't have many cooking options in uh, apartments. You either have your flat top or you have your oven. And she said to me, she said, Mike, if you're going to keep bringing fish home, you better find a cool way because I'm getting real sick of just uh, you know pan-seared fillets. <laughs> uh, so I, I came up with these 
cakes and, uh, you know, essentially thinking, hey, these are kind of like burgers and you can incorporate whatever ingredients you want into them. And so I started developing these and then we worked together on some of these different combinations. For example, my favorite cake is the salmon cake and it has some fresh ginger, soy sauce, green onions in there. And what we did is we actually made a complimentary Asian red cabbage slaw where there's you know, sesame oil, mushroom oil, different types of Asian flavors. And we kind of paired them together. And we realized it's it's fairly cool to do that. And we started keeping track of all these different combinations. And like I mentioned earlier, is there's really not a personalization or customization factor in the seafood world, aside from maybe grilled, broiled, or blackened. And the idea was that how can we change this? And so we kept track of sauces, toppings, That's cool. answers. Yeah. And we figured out, hey, you know, you could make these play in a bunch of different, you know, playgrounds as far as different flavors, different combinations. So we thought it was a neat opportunity. So this is completely your idea, and, and you and that's very rare in today's. You know, typically somebody steals an idea from somebody else, and then <laughs> yeah. they, you know they, they put their own spin on it, and whatnot, and it works. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Have you been? Have you, have you been go ahead. No, no, no. I was saying, I was like, yeah, you know, it, it works out. And w- what we found is that people really respond to the create your own aspect of our menu. And the reason, which I didn't expect it, I just thought, hey, that's maybe more of a trend. What I did not expect is some of the older clientele who has uh, specific dietary restrictions, perhaps they're on certain medications that don't allow them to eat something or they can't have that in their diet for one reason or another. Um, Our menu is really accommodating for that because these people know exactly what they're getting. They can build anything that they want and know that's what they're getting. They're not going to be surprised with perhaps, you know, some garlic when they can't have garlic. It, they know what they're getting. And I, I've, I, that's been really great to see it. Very rewarding to know that I've been helping a lot of different folks uh, eat safely. And I, I could not agree more. I mean, it it's amazes me the number of friends that I have met down here and whatnot. And they all have, I shouldn't say all, but many of them have special dietary needs. So I think you're really hitting upon something because if you have a standard menu, as you already know, people say, well, can you make it, you know, gluten-free or can you make it without salt or no oil or, you know, no soy? I mean, I like, I have a friend, I have a friend who's allergic to lettuce. Wow. I've never heard that before, but he just, he just can't take less. I have a, I have another friend, you know, no nuts. I mean, or, or, you know, he, he darn near kill him. Um, yep. The strangest thing I have, I have no uh, food allergies until, until I discovered one. I'd bought goji berries for crying out loud because they're, you know, they're <laughs> high in oxidants and all that sort of jazz. And mm-hmm. so I'm eating goji berries and man, I got deathly sick. Wow. It's the only thing I've ever come across that I just really couldn't stomach. And you know why? I have no idea. But um, no, I think you're on to something there. And, and people, I think, you know, I could I could really see that where people have control over the quality of what they're they're getting and, and the, the composite of what they're getting. Exactly. So, well, that's really cool. Have Thank you been you. pleased? Have you been pleased with the response? Yes. Yeah, I have. Um, we've gotten... Just like any restaurant, you start to develop your regulars and your fans and slow and steady. You know, I I didn't want to do a gigantic marketing push up front because there's inevitable kinks that have to be worked out. And after being open for a year, we're still learning, but we believe we've gotten the machine pretty well. And we've been able to see that in the sense of repeating customers. We get new folks that are in there that 
seem to really enjoy it and I'll maybe see them once a month or something like that. But I would say the most rewarding fact is that people come in for me to see at least the most rewarding thing is that there's people enjoying what we're doing and the food we're putting out and the quality guest experience that they're having with us and enough that they're coming back. And that's incredibly rewarding to see. It makes it makes a lot of these long hours and long days worth it to you know see the same smiling faces uh, every Friday at noon at the same seats. You know, sure, like that. sure. And it is, I assume you have a pretty hefty lunch crowd. Yeah. So, you know, during season, we're more 40, 60 lunch to dinner. Um, and I think that's because a lot of folks are just down here on leisure. And so what we ended up seeing was a longer extended lunch period where it may be from 12 to 2.30. Um, not during season. When we don't have these folks that are down here. We have more of a regimented lunch where you get your lunch folks and then it kind of dies off for the middle of the afternoon and then ramps back up for dinner. Um, and I'd say it's probably like a, a, a 3070 uh, lunch to dinner now. Hmm. Well, you've only been in business for a year, but uh, do you anticipate much of a drop off as we're going into the off season? If, if there is an off season anymore, I don't really know. <laughs> uh, good question. Uh, you know, I think we're all going to have to hang in there and wait and see. Um, but like I said earlier, I think that there is definitely more folks that are moving down here and trying to spend more time down here. So hopefully numbers keep rising for business. Um, so far, so good. We have not seen as steep of a uh, drop off as we did last year. But this time last year, we were only a handful of months old uh, officially. So it's uh, I, I take the uh, the rising numbers as a good sign. That's great. Before I let you go here, I am on your website and I'm looking at some of your offerings. What? And you got the Yahoo Wahoo, the seared Wahoo fillet served with a house made teriyaki sauce. Man, that's cool. My favorite, though, is the Bob Marley. Anything Jamaican jerk, (laughs) Jamaican jerk reef cakes topped with Caribbean salsa. That sounds killer. Mike, what are reef cakes? That is the most common question I get asked, and it, it's it's an easy answer. It, if you think of a crab cake, grief cakes are the same just in size and shape, except they're made with different types of fish. For example, we have salmon cakes, my personal favorite, and they have fresh ginger, soy sauce, some green onions. We also have snapper and shrimp cakes, which uses American red snapper, and we also have Gulf white shrimp, some seeded jalapenos, sweet oh, corn. Man. For your example, your Bob Marley, your favorite, or the one at least you wanted to try. Um, yep. Fresh grouper, jerk spice is really nice. And we actually have some bell peppers in there too for a little bit of a texture and crunch. Um, all very popular and they can be you know utilized in many different ways with different sauces and toppings. Man, sound, load me up. Load me up. <laughs> I also said before I was going to let you go, I wanted to talk. Let's see. I saw a beer here I thought really caught my eye. Let's see. What was it? Actually, it wasn't a beer. It was uh, Wicked Weed Raz Star Fruit Burst. What is that? Is that a beer? It was. It was actually, We. Uh, I, I have to update that. It was a seasonal beer. Uh, and oh, okay. Changed, but yes, uh, it was, uh, we we try to imp- include a bunch of different beers. We have, you know, some wonderful classics as well, but we have four beers on draft and we keep a couple of them, but then we rotate a few. Uh, we have a, we have main brewing companies lunch, which if you haven't had it, it's a fantastic IPA. It's one of the highest rated IPAs in the country. Um, we also have Calusa Zote, uh, which is a local favorite. I, I mean, I feel like everyone in Sarasota has at least had that once or twice. So, um, that we, we have we keep a, a good bunch of different beers out there. And one thing that we're doing, too, is the Rankin Dan that is on our suggestion menu right now. We're 
rebranding that dude, and we're going to put Rankin Dan as a spicy snapper quesadilla, and it comes with a cold red stripe. So, I mean, talk about the uh, ultimate adult happy meal right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm glad we I'm glad we're doing this podcast after lunch because if it were 9 a.m., I'd be in big trouble. Let's all this. Hey, one thing I do do you have? I'm just looking at this. Do you have the Keel Farm pineapple cider still on your menu? Yes. Yep. We absolutely I'm, do. And I'm not a it. I'm not a cider guy, but I saw that and that's something I have to try. Yep. Well, it's nice. It's got a touch of sweetness, but it's still fairly dry. It's a good cider. Good. Good. That's for me. I, it gets too sweet, and I, I don't know. If most most a lot of guys I know don't like the sweetness, so it's typically all of the women. But uh, uh, hopefully, if it's not that sweet, I'll, I'll be able to be able to have some of that. Well, so as we wind up here, tell us a little bit. You're only a year in, but I'm sure you have big dreams. So where do you want to take your business? So I I love what Reef Cakes is able to contribute to the Sarasota area. I would like to stay in the Sarasota area, um, Sarasota Manatee area, and create more Reef Cakes. Um, I, I would love to see this as some sort of local chain Um you know, I, I have uh, admiration for the folks at Geckos that have been around for a long time, and Good they've been group. able to put a lot of uh, great restaurants. And they have other things now that are outside of the traditional just Geckos logo. And they have a lot of different sorts of concepts out there. And um, you know, I would love to be able to take Reef Cakes to the same same level. You know, not coming from the restaurant industry, I do find it fascinating how you have a local organization specializing in restaurants and how they come up with different concepts. And so, and if you know what you're doing, a lot of them work, but sometimes they don't. You see them, they're open for a couple of years. They say, this isn't flying. They close it down. They try something else. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Or, or it could be a location issue. You never know. Maybe they move across the street and it's fine, you know? <laughs> so let's, let's tell everybody where you're located and where best to find more about you. So uh, website is very easy. It's reefcakes.com. And you have a lot of different options on there as far as understanding what our menu offerings are, ordering online, uh, hours of operation, location, like you mentioned, which is 1812 South Osprey Avenue in Sarasota, Florida. Um, If you're familiar with Southside Village, we are right over there with um, and other iconic uh, places down in that area. Um, And our hours of operation are Tuesday through Friday. 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. And then on Saturday, we're 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Well, close Sunday, Monday for now. Well, again, I'm on your website. I'm looking at the venue and it looks like it's a lot of fun. You have a lot of fun with some great food there. And I encourage all of our listeners to go by and give it a try. Mike, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, let's bring you back in about a year and let's see what, what you're saying now. Hopefully the staffing problems will be solved and uh, some of the inflationary stuff will be more marginalized. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I hope so, Bob. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much uh, for the time and, and let me speak. You betcha. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. Connect.